Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad to be in the family? If you're here tonight and you're not in the family, it's time to join. It's time to join. Become a son and a daughter of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's remain standing for the word of the Lord, if you will. 1 Samuel chapter 26. Whew. I sure hope I haven't missed the Lord. I sure hope this is where, I, I feel like this is where I need to go. It's a totally different direction. But um, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts and hold on. 1 Samuel 26, verse 1. And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hakilah, which is before Yeshimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul pitched in the hill of Hakilah, which is before Yeshimon, by the way, but David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came after him into the wilderness." David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. And David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched. And David beheld the place where Saul lay. And Abner, the son of Nair, the captain of his host, and Saul lay in the trench. And the people pitched round about him. Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai, the son of Zariah, brother to Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said, I will go down with thee. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed, but I pray thee, take now thy, uh, the spear that is at his bolster in the cruise of water, and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster, and they got them away, and no man saw it nor knew it, neither awakened, for they were all asleep, because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word tonight, and I'm asking for your direction. The Holy Ghost would just uh, uh, draw our hearts into these thoughts in the next few minutes and then into the altar, and I know, Lord, that there is a challenge to be set forth this evening to this people here in Lorain, Ohio. Uh, specifically for this church, you've given me this message. I pray, God, that you would anoint, and, Lord, you would do your part. I will, I will try to be faithful to do my part. In Jesus' name, Lord, we need your help tonight, and I thank you for it. And the church said amen. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. I want to preach tonight on the Abishai anointing, the Abishai anointing. Let me give you a little history here. David had three captains in his army. Uh, those three were, uh, which Abishai was captain of captains. He was very well thought of, very respected. Uh, he had uh, gained a reputation. I think it's important as a Christian that we develop a solid reputation. That doesn't happen overnight. That takes years. And, and in fact, uh, it takes a long time to really gain uh, the respect of people in this day and hour. It used to be a little bit different, you know, 40, 50 years ago, and even a handshake was enough to seal an agreement, but not so anymore. And uh, so I think it's important that we as the child of God develop a solid reputation, and, and uh, no doubt Abishai had that, but it did not happen overnight. It's something that was built up. And how many of you know that which is built up can be tore down in a very short time? One wrong decision can ruin your whole reputation. Well, let's look at the events that led up to this passage of Scripture that we read. David had been anointed by Samuel to be king over Israel because Saul had been disobedient. And as a result, God's anointing had left King Saul. 
Have you ever met and come across somebody who used to have the goods and doesn't have many more? Isn't that sad? What a sad commentary to get to the end of life and, and not have what you used to have. I hope that's never, ever said of any one of us. And so now Saul is about to be replaced with a man who has a heart after God. And Saul is very jealous even to the point of trying to take David's life. And uh, he takes after him and David flees for his life. Now, David finds himself in a wilderness, a wilderness experience. And uh, the wilderness really is a place that we don't like to be. I don't know about you. I'm not a city boy. I was raised a city boy, but I don't like big cities anymore. Uh, our little town of 14,000, I told my wife, if it gets much bigger than that, I'm going to have to find a smaller town. But uh, I don't like the wilderness. I don't like being so far removed that you have to drive 50 miles to get somewhere. When my first year in ministry, I worked for Brother L.D. Savage. Many of you know him, and, and uh, he lived out in the boondocks. I mean, he was so far removed, it took the June bugs till July to get there. That's how far out it was. The closest Walmart was 38 miles. How ungodly is that? I mean, so the, the wilderness is a place you'd rather not be. And, and the wilderness may be a place of employment. A wilderness experience may be living with an unsafe spouse. A wilderness experience may be a rebellious teenager. A, re, a, a, a wilderness experience may be misunderstood words. There's just so many things that could bring you into a wilderness experience. But the wilderness can be, if you allow it, an incubator for a life-changing experience. It sure can. It can become the birthplace of new beginnings. And because as you deal with whatever forced you into the wilderness, that very thing can be the victory that brings you out of that wilderness experience. It is not God's will for you to live in the wilderness the rest of your life. Eventually, God brought Israel out of the wilderness. Eventually, God's going to bring you out of your wilderness experience. It's not his will for you to live under that a cloud of oppression, if you will, that my wife spoke of earlier tonight. It is not God's will for you to live underneath what he has for you in your life. There is a point in time where he'll bring you out of that wilderness. But when you're in the wilderness... There are some things you will learn. You will learn prayer. You will learn calling upon God. You will learn praise. You'll be thankful that you're not worse off than what you... Listen, it don't take very much to be thankful for your wilderness experience. Because when you walk into somebody else's wilderness and, or see it from a distance, you can say, thank God that I'm not as they are. That I'm not in that same situation. Uh, oh, 15 or so years ago, a young man by the name of Kyle Esford, he got saved in one of our camp meetings up in Canada. By the way, we just came from there, eh? And um, Kyle uh, lived for the Lord for a few years. Unfortunately, Kyle backslid. He went back into his drug life, and at the age of 26, he was run over by a vehicle. They think it was a drug deal gone bad, left for dead. Kyle became a quadriplegic. I went to Kingston. We were up in Canada at Christmas time three years ago this December. And I went up there and I, I visited with him in, in ICU and in intensive care. And, and uh, Kyle was on a breathing machine. I mean, he was just semi-responsive and he was at death's door. And I whispered in Kyle's ear and I said, Kyle, God's not done with you. And his mother said from that day forward, Kyle did a turnaround. And it's been a long struggle. Today, he's still a quadriplegic. He operates his motorized wheelchair with the movement of his head, with an attachment to his scalp. He, he can barely communicate. The trach that they put in destroyed his vocal cords. But I can tell you this, when I looked at Kyle and his situation, and even just as I visited with him this past week, I was so thankful that all of the wilderness experiences I've gone through have not, have not equaled or even come close to what this young man has faced. Thank God he's come back to the Lord. Amen. But Kyle's got a long road ahead of him. Listen, in your wilderness, you'll learn how to praise. In your wilderness experience, you'll learn power. You'll learn that God is in control. 
Us men, we like to handle things ourselves, don't we? Come on, macho men, say amen with a deep voice. We like to, you know, take control. We like to be in control. I like to drive, personally. I know some of you men, you like your wife to drive. I prefer to drive. If, if we're driving somewhere, it just feels better for me to be behind the wheel. Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, but I can tell you this, in your wilderness experience, you'll learn God's in control. You'll have to depend upon his power because you're going to find your power is insufficient. You're going to find out that you're at zero and you need help, and that help only comes from the Lord. David said, I'll look to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord. Amen. So we learn power in our wilderness. We also learn priorities. We learn that there's some things we thought were really important. They're not so important anymore. When you get in that wilderness ex ex experience, you're going to find out what really is important in the economy of God. And then also in that wilderness, you will learn principles. You will, you will be aware that God's word still is true. It didn't change while you were going through those, those phases of your wilderness experience. God's word still stayed the same, and God's word will stand forever. And then lastly, in that wilderness, you'll learn purpose, for it's there oftentimes you'll find redirection. Joseph did, didn't he? He went from a, a pit to Potiphar's house to the prison to the palace. And in all that Joseph went through, God brought redirection to his life. Don't be alarmed when in your wilderness experience, God begins to turn the buggy around and point you in a different direction than what you thought you were supposed to go. Sometimes God allows those wilderness experiences to do just that. Yeah. So if you'll take time to read some of the Psalms that were written when David was in the wilderness, you'll find he learned those very things. And while David was in the wilderness, Abishai showed up. Thank God for Abishai. Abishai comes to where David is because he knows that David is going to be king. He knows that David is the anointed one over Israel. He hasn't been to the throne yet, but he is willing to follow this man of God. And David is tired of running. He's ready for a change. There comes times in our wilderness wanderings, we just get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Time for a change. Something's got to break. Something's, there's a, you come to a recognition someday, you wake up and say, God, something's going to have to be, we're going to have to have some breakthrough here. There's, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of living in a cave. I'm tired of living in a tent. I'm tired of living in the desert. I'm tired of living in the wilderness. God, I need a breakthrough. And maybe you're here tonight and you are at that point where you realize, I am just sick and tired of this, and, and I'm tired of the devil pushing me back. I, I make a step forward, and it seems like he pushes me back three. I try to advance in my prayer life, and then boom, something else happens. It's time for a breakthrough for some of you tonight. It's time for you to step out of that wilderness experience and step into the blessings of God and where you can sing, I got blessed in the middle of my trouble. I got blessed in the midst of my struggle. And you can say, I've been through, not I am in, but I've been through the fire. I've been through the test. Glory, hallelujah, brother. I got blessed. <laughs> Woo. Also, oh, David has to have a change. Now, in 1 Samuel 26, verse 5, it said, David arose. We read this. He came to the place where Saul had pitched. They weren't playing baseball. And David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner, the son of Nair, the captain of the host. All, they were all pitched around him. And then David said to Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishai, the son of Zariah, brother Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai did not hesitate, but he said, I will go down with thee. Preaching on the Abishai anointing. This anointing that is spoke of here in the Old Testament, let me just give this to you briefly. It is in the Old Testament, it was a ceremonial anointing. It was the physical act of smearing on or pouring oil upon a person or an object to anoint it and, and make it separate for holy usage. 
it, it was for kings and priests and prophets. They were anointed outwardly with oil to symbolize a more profound spiritual reality that God's presence was with them and that God favored them. It was used uh, for, uh, in fact, while David was still a young shepherd, God told Samuel to anoint him to become king over Israel. And from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord rested upon David's life. Centuries before David's time, the Lord had instructed Moses to consecrate Aaron and, and his sons to serve as priests. God authenticated their priestly ministry with his fiery glory of his presence and consumed their offerings. Holy items in the tabernacle, including the tabernacle itself, were also anointed. They were set apart. They were consecrated for, uh, 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 for worship and sacrificial ceremonies. We jump over to the New Testament. We find the anointing of oil. It's found in James chapter 5, verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let, let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The word anointing in James 5, 14 comes from the Greek word alephio, which means to literally apply an ointment or oil. Every time I read that verse, I'm reminded of that new convert, that lady who had gotten saved, didn't know nothing about church, nothing about anything about God. But she'd been in enough services to see that when they prayed for the sick, they anointed them with this oil. She got sick, and uh, she couldn't get a hold of the pastor. She could barely get out of bed, and that's the only number she had. And so she remembered the oil. She crawled to the living or to the kitchen, rather, and got a hold of the jug of uh, Crisco, and she took the Crisco oil and anointed herself, and God healed her. <laughs> Praise God. Every time I read James 5.14, I'm reminded of that new convert, Crisco oil. I mean, God blessed her faith. Praise the Lord. The same Greek word is used in Matthew 6, 17. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face. But there's also another meaning in the New Testament. It's in 1 John 2 and 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Amen. The Greek word for this anointing is chrisma, which is symbolic of the Old Testament inaugural ceremony for the priest. So how does that apply to us today? I'm glad you asked. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. And some are more peculiar than others. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his what? Marvelous light. Revelation 1 and 6, it hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Every Christian, every blood-bought child of God has an opportunity to have this priestly anointing upon their life for the purpose of his ministry. It's not our ministry. It's not the Dave Johnston and clan ministry. It is God's ministry. Amen. And every one of us sitting here tonight have that opportunity for a ministerial anointing to saturate our lives. Listen, it's not just for the pulpit. It's not just for the instruments. It's not just for the singers. It's not just for the preacher. It's for every child of God to have have an anointing to break the yoke in somebody's life. Mm, the Abishai anointing. In verse 6 of 1 Samuel 26, when Abishai answered David and said, I will go down with thee, this is the Abishai anointing. This anointing gets out of bed ready. This anointing comes to church ready. This anointing comes to prayer meetings ready. This anointing comes to the altar ready. This anointing meets the devil head on ready. You don't have to pray through for 30 minutes before you feel like God can use you. Amen. This anointing on your life comes ready. You're ready to do something for God. When the Spirit speaks to you expressly to say something to somebody, to smile at the teller, to give them a track, to double your tip, whatever the case is. Amen. This anointing is ready for action. God does not need to have to wait for you to get prayed through over your stinking attitude before he can use you. You need to come every day into his presence already with a good attitude, a right attitude, and a heart that says, I'll go with you. It's time for ministry. It's time to be used to God in a greater way than ever before. 
I am not minimizing our problems we go through, neither our fiery trials. But sometimes we get so tunnel vision and so focused on what we're facing that we fail to see ministry opportunities right around us. The Abishai anointing says, I may have trouble at home. My wife may not be speaking to me. I don't know what's going on in Abishai's not life, but he didn't come with a list of things and excuses and reasons that he could not go with David. Immediately he said, I'll go down with you. He didn't hesitate. He didn't have to get prayed through, if you will. He didn't have to get a fresh anointing. He was ready to do it right then, there, and now. That's what we need in this day and hour. So this Abishai anointing says, and if you're keeping points, I've got five of them. Thank you, Brother Andrew, for helping me. The five points about this Abishai anointing is number one. The reason Abishai was ready and willing to follow David because he was under submission. Submission is a compound word which simply means sub and mission. Boy, was that deep. Aren't you glad you've been to Greek class tonight? Sub, it means under. <laughs> That's a no-brainer. And mission, what does that mean? A task, a God-given instruction, fulfilling what the leader gives. I mean, there's a number of things, but sub means under a mission, under a mission. Under a mission means there's no mission of your own. It means there's no secret agenda. There's no hidden plans. You're under the vision of another or a mission of another. Acts 2 and 17 declares, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Man, lately, I don't know about you, Pastor, but I have had a plethora of dreams lately in my sleep. And all I can figure is I'm like David. I once was young, and now I'm old. That's all I know. Amen. I think some of it's from what I ate the night before. But the reality of it, when you look at old man as, as translated from the Greek, here's our Greek class again, it is synonymous with bishop, which means pastor or overseer. So the pastor dreams the dreams of God, declares them to his congregation, and the Abishai say, I'll go with you. Let's do it. Let's take this on. And under submission to him, when Abishai said, I'll go, he was saying, I believe in you, David. Uh, you're called of God. You're ordained. Hey, they weren't just going to Walmart. They weren't just going to Denny's to have supper. They were going on a mission. They were going somewhere that could be life-threatening. And David had a man underneath him who said, I'll be that man, and I'll go whatever it costs and whatever it takes. I'm your man. Is there anybody here tonight that feels an Abishai spirit upon you that says, I'm your man. Let's make this go. Let's do this thing. Let's push forward. Let's plow forward. Let's take it to the next level. The Abishai anointing, praise God, will cause you to be under submission. Number two, the Abishai anointing is not afraid to fight the enemy. So David and Abishai went to the enemy's camp. Verse 7, and they came to the people by night. Behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and a spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. They found the whole camp asleep. And Abishai said to David, God's delivered the enemy. Let, let, me, let me smite him. I, I, I don't need a second chance. I don't need a second try. I'll get him the first time. Let me at him. He said, David, he's yours. God's delivered him in your hands. Let me smite him for you. Give me your word. Give me the word and he's no more. Oh, what this community needs in Lorain, Ohio, is a militant pastor with a militant church, amen, that'll be not afraid to fight the enemy. Because I'll tell you what, anytime you try to do something for God, the enemy will come in and he will fight you tooth and toenail. He will rear his ugly head every time you try to make an advance for the purpose and the kingdom of God. He will try to dissuade you, try to distract you, try to pull you away, try to get you so disillusioned that you don't know if you can fulfill the mission or not. But this Abishai anointing says, I'm in it for the win. I'm in it to fight this battle. If you're going to fight, I'm going to fight with you. Amen. If you're going to take on the hordes of hell, I'm with you. I'm going to take on the hell's hordes as well. 
That Abishai anointing says, Pastor, don't worry, I got your back. Amen, I got you covered. Amen, I'm going to cover you not only with my physical presence, but I'm going to cover you with prayer. We had a guy come in, one of the two churches we pastored, three churches. He came in, and he was a big guy. He was bigger than I and uh, covered with tattoos, and he was rough looking. Looked like, looked like he'd just come out of the, the jail cell, you know, and, and uh, his talk was rough as well. Our young people were, we were having a move of God. Sister Jones, our young people, man, they were just shouting and just rejoicing. The whole church was really worshiping. And I seen them at the back standing there. So I went back as a pastor. I went back and, and I introduced myself and I said, uh, uh, you know, my name, is so, my name is Brother Johnston. I'm pastor here. What's your name? And he told me. I said, uh, is there something I can help you with? He said, yeah, yeah. I just want to come and I want to give a witness. All right. What do you want to witness about? Well, I just want to tell these young people something. All right. Well, I, right now they're a little busy. <laughs> you know, I told them, I said, they're a little occupied right now. You can see that the Spirit of God's moving. I don't know if you know what that means, but God's helping these young folks right now. And I'll tell you what, why don't you tell me what you are going to tell them? And if it's really that important, I'll stop them and give you an opportunity to speak to them. Is that fair? And he, he cussed me out. <laughs> He said, forget it. I shouldn't have come in anyhow. And uh, he went out into, the, uh, into the, uh, the parking lot. Well, I didn't know what he was going to do. So one of my men that had gotten saved, in fact, he'd gotten saved out in Arizona and followed us to the Midwest, and uh, he had worked out. He was buffed. Uh, I mean, he, was, he, he wasn't that tall, but he could take on anybody just about I mean he was just that kind of guy some of you guys are sitting there smirking thinking that sounds like me and your wife said honey it's not <laughs> yeah so I, I said hey go out and witness to him because he was on fire so he went out in the parking lot and uh, well just prior to going out the the guy when when he came out to see what was going on and he stood with me when this guy was cussing me out the guy turned and said who's this your bouncer I know what kind of life he was living. I said, no, he's just one of my, one of my men in the church. And then I, I sicked him on this guy, you know, out in the parking lot. I don't know what the outcome was. But this Abishai anointing says, Pastor, if you have to go through the battle, we will go through it too. This Abishai anointed is not afraid to fight. And if you've been here long enough at Broadway Assembly, you know that there's been some battles that you all have had to face together, and you've gone through it, and God's helped you, and you've overcome, and you can look back now and shout the victory. But there's going to be battles to come because we live in a fallen world with fallen people and people that backslide and people that are carnal. Amen. And we have to deal with some problems from time to time. And don't be afraid to back the pastor. Don't be afraid to fight. Amen. Number three, the very reason David had selected Abishai was because he had proven himself to be faithful and his faithfulness turned into fruitfulness. A pastor that I knew had a young preacher in his church who ended up leaving the church because the pastor didn't preach this young man as often as what he thought he ought to be preached. Come to find out, this young man had started laying out of church. When his wife and children would come, he'd just stay home sometimes. And when the pastor asked the wife, where's so-and-so? And she said, oh, he's just, she was tired of making up excuses for him. She said, oh, he just didn't want to come. Would you as a pastor want to preach somebody like that? I would think not. Faithfulness is a key ingredient to the Abishai anointing. Amen. Faithfulness will turn into fruitfulness. At times, pastors are accused of having favorites because it seems like they're, some are used above others. It could be the reason that others have an Abishai's heart. Amen. Don't back down from helping the ministry just because people talk. And people will talk and people will accuse. But you're the one who's going to stand before God for what you do or what you don't do. And I'd rather do what I know to do is right than not do it because of what I'm afraid of. Some people's going to say that I'm brown-nosing the pastor or I'm trying to get into the inner circle. or inner. I, I, God gave me this message tonight. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost now to tell you we need to be faithful as a church. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But if you're not... 
not faithful and you're here or if you're listening by live stream, it's time to establish a faithful, committed, sacrifice, consecrated life unto God and to the man and woman of God. And God will bless you for it. I absolutely guarantee it because it's biblical. Amen. Amen. When we left our pastorate in Kansas City in 2008, we went back to West Plains. We, we sat under Brother Joey Hyde, our pastor. Many of you know him. He went to be with the Lord in 2016. And Brother Hyde uh, was pastoring Calvary Pentecostal Tabernacle. And I, when I talked to Brother Hyde, when we went back, I said four things to him. I said this, Pastor, I'm going to make a vow to you, and this is the vow, and this is what I said. We as a family, including myself, we will be faithful to you and to this church. Secondly, we will never be a burden to you, but we will always be a blessing and we'll try to be a blessing. Number three, we will do whatever you ask us to do. I told him then, and my daughter has since taken the title and wrote a beautiful article on it, published in the uh, uh, OBI's quarterly. We don't need a title, just give us a towel. That's what I told my pastor. And then I said, number four, and we will not do anything to bring a reproach to you or to the church or to this community. That was our vow. And for the last 14 or 16 years, however long we've been there, by the grace of God, we have kept that vow. God is looking for faithful Abishai's. Listen, we're in a world of finicky people. People change at the drop of a hat. People get, you know, so upset, you know, just go, you know, the pastor didn't even shake my hand. I'm just exaggerating here. But you understand, we get bent out of shape over piddly little things that don't amount to a hill of beans for eternity. What is wrong with that picture? I know we won't always be on the same table as far as agreeing with everything, but my goodness, it is important that we keep a sweet spirit about it and a faithful, committed spirit. Oh, listen, I know churches that have, okay, shall I say it? Yes, I shall. That, that have starved the pastor out by holding back on their ties because they didn't like what he said and were hoping that he'd just get discouraged enough to get up and leave. And some of them had to leave because they couldn't make it financially. Shame on a church like that. Ichabod is written over the doors of the hearts of people who have that kind of attitude. Oh, we need to be faithful. When we get to heaven, I want God to say, well done, thou good and faithful. Say it with me. Faithful servant, enter thou into the joys of the Lord. We need to be faithful to God. We need to be faithful to Broadway Assembly. We need to be faithful to our prayer meetings. We need to be faithful to our ladies' groups. We need to be faithful Christians that the, that the pastor and his wife can count on, and more importantly, that God can count on. Am I preaching all right tonight? Number four, Abishai had a teachable spirit. He could be taught in the midst of the battle. Verse 9, it said, And David came to Abishai and said, Destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? David said, Furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. When David told Abishai that he couldn't kill Saul, Abishai did not pout and throw a fit. In Canadian, he didn't pout, eh? He didn't throw a fit. He didn't go ahead and disobey David and do his own thing, thinking his plan was better than the man of God's plan. He didn't bring in his own game plan. He didn't rally the help of others to side with him. I think my way's a little better. Really, Absalom. Oh, they both start with an A, but you know Absalom's outcome, and you know Abishai's outcome. I'd rather be an Abishai. He didn't, uh, he didn't try to outmaneuver David. He didn't second-guess him. He listened to the man of God because he had a teachable spirit. The Abishai anointing may sometimes say, I don't completely understand, but you're the leader. <laughs> man, I don't need to be sharing these stories, but... So, the song leader tried to bring in more of a contemporary worship style 
And uh, that's not the direction I felt like we needed to go. And I mentioned that to her discreetly and kind of give her our vision and, and that. And her attitude was, well, you're the pastor. I guess I'll have to obey you. <laughs> and I diplomatically said, as a matter of fact, yes, you will. <laughs> oh, woo, thank God she got prayed through because she was a great song leader and a great asset to the church. I want to tell you, you need to have a teachable spirit. Not, we're, we're all prone to make mistakes. We're still learning. Your pastor's been teaching in the book of Revelation, and he's still learning things he told me today at lunch. He's still learning things from that. That book's a hard book to teach and preach from, and, and we're all still learning. But here's the thing. To have a teachable spirit is a, is a blessing. It's a blessing because it doesn't cause bitterness, doesn't cause heart, hardness of heart. It doesn't get us all bent out of shape. We can just pray it through and say, well, yeah, I can see it that way now. Oh, help us. Lastly, I'm, I'm preaching too long. Number five, the Abishai anointing supported the man of God. When, uh, when you go over to 2 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 15 and uh, through verse 17, it says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint. And Ishbidabababababab, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, secured him and smote the Philistine and killed him. David waxed faint in the battle. He got weak. He needed reinforcements, and they were there. Abishai recognized the need, and he was there, number one, present to step up to the battle and help David when he was in his fainting state. The Scripture says he secured him. Secure means to help, to support, to surround. Abishai knew he could not hold David's office, but he knew he could support him. He knew he couldn't be the leader, but he could support the leader. He knew that he couldn't be the king, but he could lift up the king. He knew that he couldn't be the one in charge, but he could protect the one in charge. This Abishai spirit will support the man of God and the woman of God in ministry. You almost think this is a pastor appreciation message, and it is. In closing, let me give you several things to make your pastor and his wife squirm a little bit. Really, it's, it's, it doesn't do that at all. This is what they need. Number one, they need prayer. My challenge to you tonight, if you're not praying for your pastor and his wife on a daily basis, I didn't say monthly, I didn't say week, daily basis. How many of you have had your children uh, dedicated to the Lord by this pastor administration? Raise your hand. That's several of you. How many of you have got saved under this pastor's administration? Raise your hand. Several of you. There, this, this, is, this is important that you pray for your pastor, not just those who have benefited directly from this administration. All of you have benefited directly, really. But I'm telling you, on a daily basis, I'm challenging you tonight to pray for your pastor and his wife. It'll really make a difference. Number two, provision. And I know you've taken care of them and you guys had a wonderful pastor appreciation. What a great gift. God bless you. I commend you highly for that. God bless you. Amen. Provision for them physically, financially, and in every way. Number three, protection. These all start with P's, by the way. My wife loves that when I do that. Protection. Don't allow anyone to talk evil of him. I was in a certain state, Brother Grant, in the United States of America, as Brother Joey Hyatt would always say, and uh, I was at a men's breakfast. And there was uh, another evangelist there along with myself. And this other evangelist was talking to one of the church men. And the pastor was not in that conversation. And this other evangelist said, boy, do I have a juicy story about your pastor. <laughs> and that man in that church, he slammed his fist down on the table. He said, you will not talk about my pastor. I will not entertain that story. And you need to shut your mouth. Revival about broke out in the men's meeting. I looked at that evangelist and the shock on his face. I mean, the shock on my face. It was just amazing. I was like, I wanted to say, hooray! Somebody had some back. 
backbone. Man, I want to tell you, there's no room in God's armies for some spineless creature, you know, that wears lace on their underwear, you know, and can't get a backbone about them to do something for God. I want to tell you, we need an Abishai that will stand up and say, I'm going to fight for my pastor. Amen. Protect him. Protect his reputation. Amen. Number four, participation. Do your part in the kingdom of God. By the way, I just thought of this. Who did you tell me did all these decorations? They, they, uh, who was over this? Sister Jackie and who else helped? Sister Cheryl, Sister Robin. Maybe, maybe another one or two. Thank you. Are you all here? Where you at? Okay. Praise God. I tell you what, this is one of the most beautiful, beautifully, is that a word? Decorated churches for Christmas I have ever been in. Beautiful. Yeah, give them a hand. Yeah. And if you want to be the recipient of that hand clap next year, you get involved. <laughs> Do your part. Participation number five, patience. Thank you, sister. Don't jump to conclusions. Be patient about it. Wait on the Lord. My wife is, she's a, and she won't mind me saying this because she was raised this way. She confronts problems. She, she'll, get, she'll confront, she wants to nip it in the bud now, you know, like take care of it now. But, and in our pastor, in our early years, Brother William Hill told me as a young man, as a young pastor, he said, if you'll wait on the Lord, if you'll take it to God in prayer, if you'll fast over it and just wait, 75% of the time, God will take care of the situation. You won't have to do anything. And, but there, are, there is a 25% of the time you got to do something. So we had a good balance because I am not a confronter. You know, and, uh, and, and she wanted to take care of it now. You know, cut off the giant's head now. That's, that's, uh, it was not that bad. <laughs> she, oh, boy, my head may be cut off. I may be sleeping in the elevator tonight. Patience, don't jump to, don't jump to conclusions, honey. Give the, the preacher the benefit of the doubt. Number six, pattern. Pattern your life after his. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Number seven, persevere for your pastor. Don't give up when the battle gets tough. There's that, that faithfulness again. Number eight, be pleasant towards him. Don't be critical to the man or woman of God. I don't know why you did it that way. We hadn't done it that way for 142 years. Bless God. <laughs> Quit being critical. Be pleasant. Be a pillar, number nine. Be strong and supportive in all your dealings. Number 10, praise your pastor. Praise him for the great job he's doing. Praise your pastor's wife. Amen. We had a lady in our church, Sister Lena Brock. She was in her 80s, and she had a little quivery voice, and oh, we love Sister Lena. And she'd always say after every service, she'd say, oh, Brother Johnston, that's one of the best messages I ever heard you preach. Oh, Sister Brock, you say that all the time. Oh, I really mean it. One Sunday morning, I bombed. I mean, it was just, it was awful. I cut it short. I salvaged it in the altar. And I mean, it was just pitiful, pathetic. With a, There's two more Ps. And, and I mean, I was done. And I met her at the back door, and I was wondering, what's Sister Brock going to say this time? So I went back there, and she said, well, Pastor, I don't know where you were going, but I guess you finally got there. <laughs> I said, Sister Brock, I had no idea where I was going. Even God didn't know where I was going. She said, you'll do better tonight, I'm sure. <laughs> Amen. Praise your pastor. Number 11, pursue the vision and dreams for the church. Oh, I appreciate Broadway Assembly and what God has been doing over these years and, and bringing you through and bringing you along and, and pushing you on. Amen. Pursue. Number 12, pledge yourself to him in loyalty and commitment. And number 13, please him and her by your actions. And in doing all these things, Human effort coupled with the power and anointing of God will take Broadway Assembly into 2023 as a greater church than she has ever been before in the history of the church. Do you desire to see these pews filled? 
Do you desire to see souls and sinners at these altars seeking God? Do you desire to see drug users and alcoholics come and be delivered and commit their hearts and lives to the Lord? You know what new blood does to the church, don't you? It excites us. We get on fire over it. Amen. Let's not wait till 2023. Let's bring in some new folks now. Let's keep on. Let's do some. Let's do. Let's get an Abishai anointing about us that'll break the yoke in somebody's life. Somebody did for you. Somebody paid a price for you. Some of the reason, all of you, really, the reason you're here is because some Abishai made a difference in your life. Am I right? Am I right? Oh, it might have been an Abishai, yes. It might have been a woman. But that Abishai spirit made a difference. Amen. I come back here because I don't have good vision. Now I can see who's here. I just want to make sure you all still awake and it looks like you're doing good. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Oh, man, I don't know about you, but I want to be the best that I can be for God. I want to do the best that I can do for the Lord. I've always taught our daughter, my wife and I have always taught her, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with your might. Amen. Don't, don't give it a half shod. You know what this, this is? That's half mass. That means somebody died. You know, they do that for the dignitaries, drop the flag. Amen. I, I, I feel like we just need to go full steam forward for God. Well, I guess steam, that's not good anymore. Full electric forward. Amen. I mean, you got the electric vehicle yet? Not yet? All right. Well, working on it. I'm telling you, time's running out. God's fixing to call us home. I'd hate to get all the way to heaven, Brother Ramey, and for the Lord to say, well, you didn't do a whole lot. You made it, because by grace we are saved, not by works, lest any man should boast. But wouldn't it be great if he just had several crowns to, to place upon my brother's head and the soul winner's crown and all those that we preach about and all, you know, it's not the works that do it, but we love God, we work for God. If we really love Him, we'll keep His commandments. If we really love Him, we'll please Him. I want an Abishai anointing. I hope I've challenged you tonight. <clears throat> I, may come, I may have come a, a month late to preach this, but I really wanted to lay this out to you as a congregation. I have said this before, and I'll say it again on camera. I told my wife today and daughter today again, it wouldn't take very much at all if God led to move up here to Lorraine, Ohio and sit underneath this man and woman of God right here. I love Broadway Assembly. I love this church. It is, it is, I'm going to say it, our favorite church to visit when we're traveling as missionaries and evangelists. Not, because of your, not just because of your giving. Thank you for the offering, by the way. But because you have a heart to serve. And every one of us tonight need to make 2023 the greatest year this church has ever seen. For the sake of souls in Lorraine, Ohio, and surrounding areas, God needs this church he needs your commitment. He needs your faithfulness. He needs you to do your part. Let's get our priorities straight. In the days and months to come, let's get our priorities straight. This almost feels like a New Year's Eve's message. See, you don't even have to invite me back for New Year's. I'm preaching it right now. I got pastor appreciation covered. I got New Year's covered. Praise God. Man, we got ministry training covered to some extent. I'm telling you. You, you got a three-for-one special tonight is what you got. Who's up for the challenge? Who will say, as Abishai, I'll go with you? If you're here tonight and you're not on board, I'm not talking about the board. I'm talking about if you're not on board as a child of God, that's the first step, is to come to this altar and yield your life to Jesus Christ and say, I want to make a difference and I sure don't want to miss heaven. Would you stand with us tonight? And then to the saint of God, to the Christian, this isn't just for the young people tonight. This ain't youth service and no youth rally, although it could be. But I want to challenge you young people tonight.
this is, this is not just for you. This is for all of us over the age of 25 as well. There's a bunch of us over 25, I can tell. This is for us old people too. Time's running out. What we need to do for God, just checking to make sure you're still awake, we need to do quickly. We don't have time to be fooling around and messing around and having bitterness in our heart and, and, and unforgiveness. And uh, Are you getting me right here? Hi, hi, Mom. She's watching tonight, I think. All of that. It, listen, I, I know I'm a little frivolous at times, but I, I'm trying to break down some barriers. I, I'm asking the Holy Ghost to just really penetrate. I don't want this to be just, well, Brother Johnson, that was a great message. We'll see you again next year. I don't want that. I want you to really take this to heart. Really get it, not for my sake, for your sake, for the gospel's sake, for the church's sake. Let's take this to heart. Let's really let it, let it cement down in there and say, God, whatever I have to do to make this work, to do my part, I'm willing. Are you willing tonight? I'm going to give this altar call first to anybody here that's not right with God. Bow your heads, please. Pray, saints, pray. If you're here and you're not where you need to be with God, would you step out of your seat right now and come to this altar, and we'll pray with you, and we'll help you into the kingdom of God. I don't want this opportunity to slip by. Is there anybody here? Is there any backslider here tonight? Is there any person here that's battling with bitterness tonight? Is there anybody that's got an unforgiving spirit? God's dealing with you tonight, my friend. And your place is right here at the altar. Would you come? I'll pray with you right off. I'll do it right away. I'll be the first to be at your side. Would you give your life to Christ? All right. Who will go with me? David said. Is there any Abishai's that would step out of your seat tonight and make your way to an altar as a, as a token of your commitment and say, I will go.